Thanks for joining us here at AG Kolkata. We are the church with the open arms and we serve in the city of joy. If you would like to learn more about us, you can simply go to www.agkolkata.org. We hope that you enjoy today's message. She would stand before a mirror to inquire. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? Each time the mirror would respond, Thou, O queen, art the fairest in the land. One day, when the queen looked into the mirror and said, O mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? Mirror said to the queen, all of us know the story, Snow White, O queen, is the fairest of them all. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? This fairy tale can become our daily tale. Mirrors are a very vital part of our lives. We use it all the time. How many of us at least looked at the mirror once before you walked into this place? I hope you did. It's good for you. Yes, that's good. Uh, I did a social media survey earlier this week just to track how many times people look at the mirror on a daily basis. Um, this is my dis this is my detailed survey. Uh, how many? Uh, my question was how many looked at the mirror less than ten times, and how many looked at the mirror more than ten times on a daily basis. So interestingly, I was surprised by my findings. Maybe uh, people didn't respond right, but sixty percent of people said they look at the mirror less than ten times a day. I'm not sure that's true or not. Uh, while 40% said they look at the mirror more than 10 times uh, a day. Mirrors are a very vital part of our lives. We use it all the times. Early morning in our office washrooms, we peek at it inside our cars. We see many guys standing next to their bike having the final look before they go in for whoever they want to meet. Late night, sometimes people have a look at the mirror. And when we look at the mirror, we observe strange things. We observe pimples. We observe dimples. Uh, we observe simple stuff like a gray hair or wrinkles. Uh, or you may say, you know what, I'm actually growing old. Or some of us may say, you know what, I am the smartest of them all. Uh, these days, we don't need to have a fixed mirror. Um, for this message, I was hoping to have a huge mirror up here, but it's difficult to get mirrors around these days because we all have the mobile mirror. Uh, we look at it all the time. I'm fascinated at weddings just to observe how people are looking into the mirror. I'm saying, are they looking at a message? Are they taking a selfie? Then I realize they are just having that one more look to make sure that the setup they had at home has not misbehaved during their journey here. That reminded me of a lady in her 70s. Um, she intuitively felt God told her that she would have 20 more years to her life. So she was thrilled. This is what God told me. And 20 more years to my life, so I'm going to have a blast. So what she did, she walked straight into a beauty parlor, did a real makeup. He said, I'm, this is going to be a fresh new 20 years to my life. And she walked out of the place. By the way, this is just a story. Uh, she walked out of the place. A car hit her. She died. Immediately, I mean, as stories go, she met God in heaven. 
And God said, I mean, she told God, what happened? I mean, you told me 20 more years. God said, oops, I couldn't recognize you. Uh, mirrors are powerful tools to give us reflections. Uh, when I, I look at the mirror a few times in a day, I have mind conversations. I don't know whether you do, but I talk. I look at myself and I talk to myself. I said, Jacob, you are a child of God. Uh, or oh, Jacob, how could you be so stupid? Uh, we have conversations when you look at the mirror. Mirrors help us essentially to discover two things about ourselves. Um, when you look at the mirror, we have a reflection of who we are, our identity. Everyone say identity. The real you, crafted, designed by God in his own image, uniquely shaped with distinct features. There's nobody like us. When you look at the mirror, we also get a reflection of what we are called to do. Our mission in life. Everyone say mission. There is a powerful significance to our life that only I can accomplish. That's a reflection. You are destined by God to bring change in the world to fulfill His mission. Two words I want us to remember this morning is identity and mission. Your sense of identity and your sense of mission can either make you or break you. But mirrors are not just static objects in our homes, at our offices, or even on our phones, but mirrors are around us all the time. All the time in people, in books, media, social media, these mirrors which keep looking at us sort of mold us, shape us, into its own image. You don't realize they are mirrors, but they have been speaking into our innermost being and make you into who you are and what you want to be. Your identity, your mission is constantly impacted by the world around you. Today, I want to place before you four mirrors. Four mirrors and its impact on who you are and what you do. The first type of mirror is called Flawed mirrors. Everyone say flawed mirrors. How many of us had the opportunity or the privilege to look at a cracked mirror? Yeah, I mean, we look at a cracked mirror, we are looking for our face, but it's cracked. Uh, we don't get the right reflection. You look up, down, when you look up, you get the wrong reflection. Your head is gone one direction. Uh, so you're trying to look for yourself. So flawed mirrors or cracked mirrors gives us a faulty reflection of who we are. In the Bible, Lot, the nephew of Abraham, landed up with his family in Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot raised up his family in the supposedly beautiful land. It was supposed to be the promised land for him. What Lot did not realize, as his daughters and his wife daily connected to the local people, the children, the wife hung out with the local people, went to the market, had long conversations, listened to new ideas. Somehow as they were having these conversations, new ideas were getting downloaded into their own system. What Lot did not bargain was the impact of these downloads into the system to literally destroy his family. Mrs. Lot and the daughters shaped their own lives and their through the flawed mirror, it led, it led to faulty reflections. Their identity and mission was shaped by the world around them. That's why when judgment fell on Sodom and Gomorrah, God's judgment fell on them because of the immoral lifestyle. The angels 
got Lot's family out of danger. But the Bible says as they were running out of the city, angel's word was, one final word, make sure you don't look back. But what do you do when you're told not to do? You do the exact same thing. As they were running out, Lot's wife was probably attached to all the memories, the downloads, the ideas of her beautiful city. Bible says she looked back, she became a pillar of salt. Attractive but dangerous. No wonder in the New Testament, Jesus could have talked about many other people. The Bible specifically says, remember Lot's wife. The danger of looking at the wrong mirror for a wrong, long time and you get a faulty reflection. The flawed mirrors that impact us happen even as we are sitting right here. If you happen to be on social media, you're looking at different impressions, reflections. As you walk out of this place, look at the newspaper feed, talk to people, engage with people in your office. All the time you're getting faulty reflections because you're looking into flawed mirrors. I mean, just read the newspapers, you see a new developing community. Earlier we talked about husband and wife as one man, one woman married for life. Today there's a new community developing called the polygamous community. They are rewriting the relationship rules. For them, love doesn't stop at just one. The second type of mirrors is called the funny mirrors. Everyone say funny? I know it's not that funny. Uh, these are mirrors. Um, I don't know whether it happens to you when you go to, I mean, I go with my kids to Science City a lot. I mean, more than I would love to, but they love it. Um, so we go there and we have these interesting mirrors. We stand in front of them. You're taller than you are. That's great, isn't that? You're five feet, you're suddenly seven feet. Uh, you look into them, you, you always thought a little on the thinner side, you look a little more chubbier. Isn't that great? Uh, you had short hair, maybe you will have long hair. I don't know if that's possible. Um, these funny mirrors gives us foolish reflections. It sort of gives a different idea of your own identity and mission. The Bible says Samson was born with an unstoppable destiny in God. At his birth, he was prophesied at that one man who would change the destiny of an entire nation because of the Spirit of God would be on him. Imagine to have a baby in your home who was prophesied that one day will be the president of the country. That's quite a dream. Samson grew up with that word on his life. But something went wrong. He looked into the wrong mirror. He felt, you know what, it's not about God's word for my life, it's about me. All the time he was thinking about himself. Forgot God's defining principles, he decided to exalt himself. I want you to look at the statement. Look at the statement. I am too precious to God. I, okay, I want you to listen to the, the emphasis. I am too precious to God. For God to let go of his plans for me. True or false? It's a risky statement. I know, I mean, uh, it depends where the emphasis is. Uh, it's a nice tweet or status update. You'll get thousands of likes if you put this up. Uh, but based on scripture, we see many times in Samson's 
is one example that sometimes this is not true. God doesn't need to let go of his plans for us. All that we need to do is we can do foolish stuff and let go of God's plans for our lives. God is always loving. God always wants us close to him. All that we need to do is, you know what? I am bigger than God's plan for me. Let go of his plans. He doesn't let go of us. We drop the hand and say, you know what? I want my own way. Samson seated in prison, eyes pulled out, strength all gone. The foolishness of looking into the wrong mirror. The more Samson looked into the funny mirror of his own self, the ego, the more he forgot God's identity and mission for his life. He forgot who he was created to be. He forgot what he was destined to do. Psalm 14, the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, what is it? There is no God. If you and I look at the wrong mirror for a long time, we end up doing foolish things. It's not that God gets any pleasure when people live such foolish lives, but his heart breaks to see people push him out of their lives. The consequences are really tragic. I'm reminded of a presidential candidate during the presidential campaign in Brazil several years ago. He said if he got 500,000 votes from his party, not even God can remove him from his presidency. Wow. Sure, he got his 500,000 votes. But he got a sick, he got sick a day later before he became president, the day before he died. In Brazil itself, in a town, a group of friends, drunk, went to pick up one of their one more friends. The mother of this young lady accompanied this lady to the car and was so worried about the drunkenness of her friends. She, she said to the daughter holding a hand who was already seated in the car, my daughter, go with God and may he protect you. She responded, only if he, that is God, travels in the trunk because... Inside here, it's already full. Hours later, news came by that they have been involved in a fatal accident. Everyone had died. The car could not be recognized. What type of car? Nothing. Surprisingly, the trunk was intact. The police said there was no way the trunk would have remained intact. To their surprise, inside the trunk, was a crate of eggs. None of them were broken. The foolishness of living our lives looking at the wrong mirror. The third type of mirror is what I would call as faded mirrors. Everyone say faded? Excellent. Flawed, funny, faded. How many of us had the privilege of once again looking at mirrors where you can barely see anything? Right? Blurred mirrors. It had... I mean, it used to happen a lot to us when we used to travel by the Indian railways, right? Early morning, you're going to look into a mirror. Where am I? Uh, thankfully, we all credit to the Indian railways. We have some great trains right now. We, uh, it's a great, if you have not traveled by train for some time, please do. It's a great pleasure trip. You get clean mirrors, of course. Uh, but faded mirrors gives us feeble reflections. You are far too removed and even too weak to remember your own identity 
and mission. Moses was another baby born to fulfill an extraordinary destiny. He was born into a Hebrew home, but grew up the best years of his youth in a palace. But at the age of 40, his story had a tragic twist when he murdered an Egyptian. Next 40 years, he was running away from what he was called to be and called to do. Next 40 years, he was living in the desert as a shepherd. Moses, who are you? I am a nobody. Moses, what is your mission for your life? To count sheep. The mirror had become blurred. And all that remained were feeble memories of that great calling he had once upon a time. Many of you, I feel as I was preparing in this place, you have been looking at this faded mirror for a long time. Some of you once upon a time had a deep sense of God's purpose, God using you. You have seen God using you. But today you sit in the service, you come worship and go. But in the heart of heart you are saying, you know what, I've lost that freshness. I've lost that passion. All that remains is great memories of the past. No hope for the future. But when we come to the book of James, that's towards the end of the New Testament. The author of James presents us to one more mirror. And this is my main message. All this was just introduction. The faithful mirror is what I would call it. Faithful mirror gives us a fantastic reflection of who you are and what's God's mission for your life. What is this faithful mirror? I want us to read this passage together. James 1, 22 to 25. Let's read together. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Wow. Flawed mirrors, funny mirrors, faded mirrors. We come to the faithful mirror of God's word. Can all of us take out our Bibles? Uh, print format, digital format, any format. Just take it up. We looked at different kinds of mirrors. But this morning, God invites us to look at the Word of God as the ultimate mirror for our lives. The more you look at it, the more you have a sense of who you are, your identity. And what you're called to do. Your mission. So as you look at this passage, what does James, the author of this book, what does he want to teach us? How do we go about it? I want us to look at three things quickly. Firstly is, listen to it. The writer of James takes it for granted that you will listen to God's word. Now I want you to remember this was written at a time where we didn't have print formats. People didn't read it, they heard it. Um, 
the word of god was read out in churches people sat quietly listening to god's word that's why it is said listen to god's word listen to it so the author of james doesn't even talk much about it he just says do not merely listen to the word what does that mean that means james is hoping that the least that you can do is listen to god's word uh talking about listening i'm reminded of sometimes we have hard time listening right we are not good listeners i'm reminded of a couple who have been married for 50 years and a party was thrown at their golden anniversary the husband was very moved by the occasion and he wanted to tell his wife how much he thought of her she was hard of hearing of course and uh, and uh, and often misunderstood what he said with family and friends gathered around he toasted to her and he stood up and said my dear wife after 50 years i found you tried and true everyone clapped for them but his wife was a little irritated and said uh, what did he say what did you say he spoke again louder after 50 years i found you tried and true the wife was now visibly upset and she shouted back well after 50 years i am tired of you too the danger of not listening right listening hearing reading seems the most obvious thing we are supposed to do but we often miss the obvious things it's like saying it's like telling one of you you know what when you drive the car uh make sure you put take the car key out put it into where it's supposed to go in turn it on make sure you turn the car on before you drive it's obvious you should do it or it's like saying make sure when you eat your food make sure you put it into your mouth not anywhere else uh it's obvious that's why james doesn't say much about it he took it for granted that we will be listening to god's word listen to god's word make time to listen to god's word remove all distractions but secondly God's word tells us it's not just you listen to God's word secondly remember it everyone say remember what would happen if you stepped in to the airport you're flying somewhere and you come to the airport there's a security guard waiting outside you uh take out your wallet your purse uh if you're like me i i got all my cards in my wallet but i don't know where it is uh it's i take it all out i take out uh, voter id aadhar card pan card driving license take whatever you want you take it uh you you look at it you got your tickets you're going to hand it over to the security guard and suddenly you look at the cards and he say oh i'm so sorry i got the wrong cards it's somebody else's cards my cards are robbed the security guard looks perplexed he looks at the cards he sees it's your face he sees it's your name and he said sir this is your name and this is your picture and imagine if you say no this is not me this is not my picture this is someone else's picture i am different imagine if the security guard took one step forward he took out his the mirror say this is you this is you look at yourself and imagine if you kept going saying no this is not me it's somebody else what would you call you at amnesia you forgot who you are 
that's what james is talking about james is talking about a bigger tragedy than having just a physical amnesia the bigger tragedy is you read listen god's word and you deliberately forget the word after remember reading it you don't remember it the most painful reality listen to me is when you forget who you are and who you are called to be that's painful the only way you can know who you are and what you are called to be is the more you read god's word the more your eyes listen to it you remember it moses forgot it samson forgot it lot and his family forgot it that's why moses knew moses well finally when he became a leader led the people of israel he knew the danger of forgetting the word of god that's why if you look at deuteronomy chapter 6 he instructed the israelites this is what he said let's read it together hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength these commandments that i give you today are to be on your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and you walk along the road when you lie down when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands bind them on your foreheads write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates wow everywhere at home on the road constantly remember this word because we have the tendency of forgetting what's written what does moses actually saying he was saying do whatever it takes to make sure you don't forget his word whatever it takes write down put a text message do create an app do whatever it takes you must remember god's word wherever you are whatever you do faithful mirror how do you do it you listen to it you remember it but thirdly and most importantly you just do it uh, can you tell your neighbor just do it if already you are told to do something don't go and just do it right now uh, throughout history christ followers has developed different tendencies there was a era people thought you know what if you believe it that's good enough if you know all the books of the bible the 66 books of the bible you can memorize psalm 23 psalm 91 psalm 119 you know all the right theological terms you know when i mean you have it all in your head just believe it that's good enough you may not feel it you may not do it just believe it uh that was one era another era was when people said you know what it's just not about believing it right you must feel it it must be inside you you must be motivated right you must have the right attitudes you may not do many things but you must be sadhu you must have the right thoughts in your mind but but there was another era where they felt you know what it doesn't really matter whether you believe right feel right but you must do right the right things must be done because that's important 
When we come to the book of James, James teaches us, probably it's the most practical book in the Bible. Because James says it's not just important to believe it, you must have, you must look at the word of God. It's just not important to have the right motivations, but he spends a long time saying, just do it. You just do the word. It's just not about listening it. It's just not about remembering it. You must come to a point where you decide to do it. Just do it is not just a nice, neat Nike tagline. Just do it is your mantra every time you open this word. Because when you read the word and you get up from your seat, you must come to a point, you know what? Today I want to do this word in my life. Okay? Suppose you read a scripture where it says, be kind. So when you go out, look for opportunities to be kind. When you read a verse, pray without ceasing. Just walk around wherever you are, you pray without ceasing. Um, just do it means different things to different people. James explicitly places before us what it means to just do it. If you go home today, this week, take time to read the book of James. Just five chapters. In probably half an hour, you'll be able to read it. But it will really change how you perceive life. I'm going to look at a few verses from the book of James on what James is calling us to just do it. Here it goes. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in the plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. Chapter 2. James 2. Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the de demons believe that and shudder. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. James 4. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. James 5. You to be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another. Brothers and sisters, or you will be judged the judge is standing at the door. Wow. That's a sampling of what James is about. Take, go home, take time to read it this week. Just do it. Looks very different to different people. But God is going, as you look at this mirror of God's word, God is going to speak to you and guide you on what you need to do. Uh, we are blessed by so many of us who worship with us every week. But an increasing trend is, I know as many millennials get new jobs, join new colleges, they leave the borders of the city, or many times they leave the borders, the shores of our country. And we often wonder, what are they doing? How is their faith life? Uh, but interestingly, I want to let you know, God is doing some amazing things beyond our radar. He is using young people from this place Families are worshipped here to be just the salt and light where God has placed them. 
And we are blessed what God does in our lives here. I know the word of God as it comes every week. Many of you are, I know many of you have opened care groups here in the city. Many leave home or leave the city, go to another city. They start a care group there. So it's amazing what all God does even as you leave the city. A young man who worshiped with us actively involved in many ministries of our church. I know he was involved in a children's ministry, youth ministry, choir, very actively involved. Uh, parents continue to worship with us here. His name is Sidney Atkins. He's based in Dubai. Recently, when I touched base with him, I wanted to track, I was asking him, tell me what God is doing in your life. Sidney was bubbling with joy. He wanted to tell the new role he had as a vice principal of a school and the wonderful opportunity to impact the students for life and eternity. He shared with me how God was helping him live out God's word. Just do it is not that easy, but with God's help, it's possible. He shared with me a specific incident where he struggled for some time, but this morning with his permission, I, I'm, he's going to share with us. He has sent an audio message. I want you to listen to his experience. A of months into my being here, uh, a situation developed. One particular child was having, you know, repeated issues. And as a result, I had to be tough with him on several occasions. But it got to a point where he was so upset that he was being pulled up for some things that required, you know, severe action, but had been let go of in the past, that he began sending me threats online, sending me vulgar messages, you know, stalking my social media, and uh, sending me private messages and DMs that were completely inappropriate, to the point that it really freaked me out. Um, till this day, my mom and dad don't even know this, so if they're in church, they're going to hear it for the first time. But I let it be for a while because I wasn't sure how to deal with it. But more than that, I was also very conscious that all his friends knew what, were going on, what was going on. And whatever my response was going to be, would be seen and heard by all of them. And while I don't get to practice my religion, um, or you know, profess my religion openly, like we were in India, I can't just talk to them about Christ, you know, out of the blue, and I can't be a witness to them, you know, explicitly. I'm always looking for ways to uh, demonstrate that or role model that, uh, and role model my faith and my beliefs in my actions and in my interactions with the children each day, because I think that is a powerful testament as well. And. Um, after about two or three weeks of thinking about it, I did call in the boy and his father. And I was conscious that this was a family that had issues uh, that the school was aware of. And it was also going to be a couple of months before the boy was asked to leave us for different reasons. And he would not be a problem in the future. So I was very conscious that, you know, whatever I did or said would be his last memory of me. And so I chose to forgive him. And I sat him down and walked him through the consequences of his actions, what they could be, uh, the legal uh, ramifications his actions would have, would have had because the UAE is very strict about things like this. And I finally ended that meeting by telling him the reason why I chose to forgive him. I told him, I said, Hadi, I said, you know, you're going to go away a couple of months from now and you'll never remember me. But I want you to remember me for this one thing. I want you to remember that I have chosen to forgive you today and I've chosen to let this go because I don't think you're a bad kid. 
I think you're a good kid who made a bad decision. And my faith teaches me to forgive you because I have been forgiven. And of course, I spend a couple of minutes talking to them about why forgiveness was so huge for me. Um, I don't know if it made an impact on the boy because he left my office stone-faced as usual. But I definitely saw something in his father who sat there for a couple of minutes after, you know, in disbelief that despite the evidence I was showing him and the printouts of stuff I had, that I was choosing to let the boy go and choosing to let the boy, uh, you know, be forgiven. A couple of weeks later, his friends came to me and said and apologized basically for not saying or doing anything because they knew what was going on. And that also opened up a lot more opportunities for me to chat with the boys and talk to them about their response. To wow. Isn't that amazing? Just do it might mean different things for every one of us. When you walk out of this place, enter a neighborhood, enter your office this week, meet at your college campus, just do it of God's word. God will speak to you on what you need to do. Listen to it. Remember it. Just do it. For 40 years, Moses was counting sheep. The faded mirror was a reminder of a dream and a call and a word he had nearly eight decades ago. That the destiny of a one nation was upon one man. But as Moses sat there counting sheep, he said, I'm too old to write or rewrite destinies. I will just keep counting sheep. Some of you seated here, you have been counting sheep for far too long. You've been watching the wrong mirror for a long time. But that one day as Moses was counting sheep, 173, that's not in the Bible, of course. For the third time as he counted, he discovered a unique sight on top of the mountain. A bush that was burning but refused to burn up. From the midst of the fire, he heard a voice that he had not heard for a very long time. Or he was too busy to hear that word. But that day, Moses was face to face with the mirror of God's word. God told him, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here am I. Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, told Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this moment, the Bible says Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. He had a face-to-face -face encounter with a voice he had totally forgotten or chosen to forget. The reality of that one voice caused him to tremble. I strongly believe many of you, God is calling you by your name. He wants to come face-to-face -face with you. And he wants you to have an encounter of not just who you are, he wants you to know the magnitude of who he is. He will never let go of your hand if you never let go of his hand. 
He wants to have a face-to-face encounter with you. This burning bush experience with you. So he can, you can know who he is, who you are, and what you're called to do. That day Moses was reignited with the flame of his original identity in God. At the top of the mountain, face to face with God's voice, listening to it, remember it. But finally Moses discovered the heart of God's voice. God had a mission for Moses to do. Today I don't know how your burning bush experience is going to look like. But I challenge you, no more flawed mirrors. No more funny mirrors, no more faded mirrors. I pray that this morning, this year, you'll commit yourself to the faithful mirror of God's word. Looking into this mirror of God's word is going to transform your identity, who you are. It's going to transform your mission, who you are created to be. Thanks for listening to this message from AG Kolkata. We would love to know how this message has touched your life. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing us at stories at agkolkata.org. We would also be grateful if you would take a moment to rate us on iTunes. Hope you have a great week ahead.